Hello, listeners. This is PSG Talk contributor Mark Damon, and this is PSG Small Talk for Saturday, September 29th, 2018. On today's show, I will be joined by PSG Talk contributors John Olangi and Eduardo Razo. We discuss PSG's last two fixtures against Stadrim and OGC Nice. We also preview upcoming fixtures against Red Star Belgrade in the Champions League and against Olympic Lyonnais. So, for those of you who tuned in last week on the Football Nation Radio, a radio station that streams football 24 hours, 7 days a week, out of Australia and right around the world, we are not PSG Talking, we are PSG Small Talk, made by the exact same people, just different voices. Um, When there are weeks that PSG Talking does not record, you will be hearing my voice alongside other contributors like John and Eddie. And um, we hope to keep up the quality and make you um, weekly listeners. Now, if you like what we do, please go on to our website, psgtalk.com, and look at the Support PSG Talk page. We do this for free because we absolutely love Paris Saint-Germain, and we want as many people that love it, too, to be able to have an outlet for them to hear opinions and news about the club. And... We do that on a very small operating budget. So, if you enjoy what we do down under, you can join our Patreon. We will give you exclusive content, which our Patreon listeners can tell you is more than what you're even getting here. We give you bonus content, bonus audio. We give you access to shows early and in advance. So... Make that at least a little part of your day. Just check us out. You don't have to contribute, but... It would be nice if you checked us out, and we would very much appreciate it. So, without further ado, let me get on with the show. So, John, PSG have won their first nine domestic games, including the Trophée des Champions. Their first eight league gun games, they are at 24 points, and they are eight points ahead of anyone else in the league. And they were about two minutes away from from drawing Liverpool at Anfield. So... John, with a really big week of fixtures ahead, with uh, Red Star Belgrade coming to the Parc des Princes on Wednesday night, and then Sunday evening, the big game, probably the biggest game in the league on calendar this year, PSG will host Olympic Lyonnais. How do you feel about this team, based off the last couple of performances, going into such a big week? Well, uh, I think it's been very, um, it's, it's been very much a grind. And that, obviously that sounds crazy if you look at our record right now, right? But I think the, the way that, uh, Tuchel has this team playing right now and with him experimenting with the, with the lineups and the different tactics and just different players playing in different positions, they're figuring it out on the fly. So I think from that aspect, for us to be undefeated in the league and, you know, barely losing to Liverpool, that's, that's pretty much okay. I think, um, Guillaume, our, our own, very own PSG Talk Guillaume had the tweet of the day for me. He said, Tuchel is doing more with less and Emery's a fruitcake. <laughs> I thought that was funny, but I, I think that's very, that kind of sums up like what, what's going on is we, we don't really have that much depth with this team right now. And that's kind of, 
you know, forcing uh, the team to use the youth system. And you're seeing guys like Diaby and Nkunku and Nsoki playing a little bit more. And, you know, that bodes well for longevity and, and kind of, you know, from a broader picture. But in the now, you know, that can be a little, you know, that can be a little shaky when we come to Champions League and European competition. But I think with 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 the different tactics and experimenting and not having as much depth on this team, I think we're we're doing pretty well for you know due to our circumstances. And you look at what this team did in the off season, they cut payroll. They significantly chopped off the the bottom of the roster. A lot of guys that would have been PSG's depth over the years are now gone. Javier Pastore is gone, Yuri left um, there was more, obviously, that I'm blanking on at the moment. But yeah, they've sold a bunch of guys. So it's left this group relatively thin. But I think that Guillaume is obviously right in this case, that Thomas Tuchel has found a way to formationally get the best out of these players in the league so far. And Eddie, I feel like one of the major things that Tuchel has found out, and I don't think this was necessarily a massive revelation of, you know, some tactical genius, but common sense will tell you that if you sign Neymar for 222 million euros, you want that kind of player, who is, in my opinion, the third best player on planet Earth, to have the ball as much as possible and to be involved in the action as much as humanly possible. And while he was really good on the left wing, obviously, for Santos and for Barcelona, Neymar's a different player than he was two, three years ago. And this is a guy that I think, in the role he's playing now, is, which is more of a free 10, he's elevated the level of this team from where it was even two, three weeks ago. Yeah, no, I, I really, I'm really starting to feel for this role that he has. Um, I think we saw in the last game as well. It's the ball runs through him. He's he's has most of the touches. It, the pretty much the offense is starting to go through him. And you know, it's 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 just weird that it took you know Tomas Tuchel to realize this that hey, have your best player have the ball as much as he can and let him create the offense. And and it's just it's starting to work. It's starting to. I mean, you know, this Nice game was the first time I believe that PSG, I think, started well from start to finish. They didn't have to, you know, they didn't dig themselves a hole and, and it was all doing parts of the offense, you know, creating chances and and ultimately, you know, putting three in. It's been a very, it was a very complete game today. I, I, I was hoping from the start that PSG would play well early and I didn't have my hopes up because... Nice is a really tough opponent, especially if you're playing them at their uh, Allianz Riviera. And they have a bunch of good players. They don't always play up to their potential, but you you play a guy like Alan San-Maximin, he'll find a way, usually more times than not, to get you at least once or twice. And Tuchel in this game, I think, did a really smart thing with playing three at the back, because what it allowed them to do was it pushed Presnel Kimpembe out further to the wing, which allowed Presnel Kimpembe to kind of take San Maximan out of the game. And he didn't 
force, you know, either a Juan Bernard or a Musa Diaby or somebody like that or a Stanley and Soki to try to play one-on-one with the guy. And it allowed, I think, PSG to take control of the game because they didn't really have to worry about Nice's counter after the first 10 minutes or so. And once Neymar got that goal from outside the box to make it 1-0, PSG kind of just took control of the game. And it was really impressive to see PSG finally on the road, even though Nice is not Lyon, they're not Marseille, they're not Liverpool, but they're a solid league gun team with talented players, and John, they dominated them, basically. Yeah, and it was it was impressive because we didn't know um, we didn't know what we were going to get out of this Nice team in terms of like offensively, but we did know they were like they're very strong at home. They're a gritty team, and and they get after it. And you know there was a little change at halftime where they brought in Balotelli, which kind of slowed down their attack. And I thought in the first half Nice was really kind of trying to play back and forth with us, but in the end I thought it was a very balanced team that went out there from a very speedy front line with Di Maria, Diaby, Nkunku, Neymar, and Mbappe, and then a very defensive mid-middle with Marquinhos and um, and Rabio, and then obviously all the center backs in the, uh, in the back there. I thought that was a very balanced team to put out there, and it, it boded well for us, and you know, it kind of... Again, this is this is, uh, and I think you spoke on this for years now. How PSG just needs to run at people, right? Like we have the players to 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 be the ones on the front foot putting the pressure on other teams rather than just staying back and kind of waiting and absorbing the pressure. And I thought today was a was a perfect kind of a uh, you know example of how well they can play when we're on the front foot at all times. And um, and I thought I thought Diaby again was great, man. Like this kid is, he has like superstar uh, ability and talent, and uh, just the pressure that he kept putting on Nice's defenders and and Kunku as well before he went out um, on an injury. So it was a very balanced, for me, it was a very balanced game in terms of it was our, our first clean sheet, like in a long time, it feels like, and an offense, we, we, we scored like three goals. So that's, you know, that bodes well for me in terms of the balance of this team and Tuchel continue trying to find the right lineup for him. I feel like, and we've watched this in the last two games because Musa Diaby has started the last two games. He started against Reims and he started uh, today against Nice. Musa Diaby on that left wing has, I, and I hate to use the cliche that he's been a revelation, but there's something about his speed, but also not just his speed, his ability to put pressure on a defense and force them to play him. Like, yeah. this is a guy that's not just sort of going out there trying to score goals, you know, this is an intelligent patient, calm 17-year-old who's looking to make the right play. And that's what I like about Musa Diaby more than anything else is he's got the potential to be a real superstar in the world of European football. But right now, he's not playing like a superstar. He's playing like a really effective role player. And he's putting crosses in the box. He's forcing corners. He's getting back and he's defending. And those are all things that I don't know if we expected from him. I don't think anyone expected Diaby to come in this year and be this type of effective role player. 
And at this age, that's kind of what you can expect from him. He'll have his moments of brilliance, Ed. But I just, I'm really impressed with his poise for his age. And I think in the end, when we argue and complain about Giovanni Lachelso being sold at the end of the, uh, at the end of the transfer window, Tuchel obviously had in mind that Diaby could play the role that he would envision Lachelso playing, but just playing it better. Yeah, and it's, it's weird how we're trying to see this wave um, come through now that you know a lot of the older, more expensive players are gone, and they're they're shining. I mean, they're not they're not obviously going to be superstars yet. They have the potential, but they're serving as key role players. And that's what I'm, I'm loving that I'm seeing, that they're not afraid of the moment, especially in League One. And they're going to, I feel like they're, they're just going to get better and better. And Tuco's starting to, you know, we're starting to see them more um, get starts. They're one of the first substitutes that come in. And Diaby is just, you know, he's taking this role that he's given and he's running with it. It's interesting, too, because you notice that Neymar is starting to find a rhythm with the team around him. Like, he'll get the ball... And he has no problem looking for Diaby sprinting down the wing because you know that that's what Diaby's going to do. Diaby's not going to cut inside all of a sudden. Like, he's going to make that run, and if you're Neymar or you're Di Maria, you know you can get him the ball out wide, you can get width, and then you can make runs inside of him, he can put crosses in, he can pass it back. Like... Some, at some point, you want this team to coalesce and gel and have some sort of rhythm to it. Like, you don't want to be predictable, but as a team, you want to kind of understand what the people around you are doing and be able to sort of match up and complement that. And it brings me to another guy that I think is obviously been pretty good in the limited minutes he's had, and that's Chopo Moting. He comes in the last 20 minutes of this game, and I just, I look at him and I see role player. But that's kind of what PSG need him to be. They don't need him to score 15, 20 goals. They need him to be a guy that takes up some center backs, that moves a little, that creates some movement, that doesn't get in people's way, that can track back defensively and can be a physical presence. And he's not trying to be more than that. And if there's kind of a, a theme to what I've kind of talked about here in this podcast so far, it's that PSG are finding role players in this Tomas Tuchel system that will basically be able to be put around guys like Neymar, Mbappe, Verratti, Rabio, the stars in the spine of the team that understand their roles and aren't going to sort of complain if they don't get playing time or any of that stuff. And John, it's just... It's different. This is not, you know, the PSG of old. It really isn't. It's not. And it goes back to what I said about them not having any depth. And, it, again, this also comes down to if the, if Nasser and, and, and the owners of, and QSI want to give Tuchel time, he's building that depth within what we have, right? It's like work with what you got, you know what I mean? Instead of trying to buy everything, 
And like you said, Diaby is that guy who right now can be a solid role player who can turn into a star. And, uh, and Chupa Moting can be that same, that same player as well. And again, if we can't, if FFP and all these different scenarios that come up doesn't allow us to, 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 to look for uh, role players in the market like everybody else, Hey, tap into that youth system. Buy, get players on the free transfer. You know, you know, you don't have to splash for everything to build a team. And I think if um, if they give him Tuchel time, he can really do some some work with this team. And I'm impressed with Chupa Moting um, the most because if you got to think about where this guy comes from, right? Like in terms of like his career, he's like a very workman type of guy, and he's played for like Mainz, Schalke, uh, FC Schalke, and Stoke. And coming to a big club like Paris. Like he's he's not gonna take this opportunity for granted. So he's gonna run hard as hell. He's gonna work hard. He's gonna you know not try to play any bigger or try to impress everyone just because he's at PSG. He's just gonna go out there and do the work. And you know you can't really uh, undermine how important that mentality is. And it shows when he comes in, he brings a little bit more edge and feistiness to the team. And you know whether he scores goals or not, I like his work rate. And I I thought the midfield looked a lot more comfortable in this game. Rabio and Marquinhos, who played centrally, because they had the the wing support with Diaby and Nkunku, and they also had Neymar tracking back. And I, I don't want to bring this back to Neymar all the time, but I think it's really important to understand how valuable Neymar is when he's more involved in the offense. And you watch a lot of these Champions League games, especially against the big teams in the Neymar-PSG era, a lot of the times it's Neymar just sort of standing at the midway line waiting to get the ball while the other eight, nine guys are defending. Right. And that's not necessarily Neymar's fault. That's kind of the strategy that's been in place. And if they can figure out a way to translate what they're doing now with Neymar as sort of the central playmaker facilitator into a Champions League setting, that can be really effective. And it can solve a bunch of the problems that PSG have had with the fact that they just don't have enough midfield depth on their team. And Eddie, it's just, I, I feel like they're on to something with him in this role as a 10. And it's really important because it's helping kind of paper over some of the cracks that this team clearly has. Yeah, no, it's, 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 this this game we were able to see him uh, backtrack, you know. At least you know, like I think you tweeted out, you know, it, it, it helps that he he's he's a, he's a body there, just to, you know, another another uh, defender there to try to at least help. Yeah. And so and so you know, it's 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 nice that he's he's uh I think you know to, he's listening to Tuchel and he's getting, you know, he's backtracking back on defense. You know, he's not going to be a spectacular defender, but just having a body there. And, and he's listening, you know, to his manager. I think, you know, I don't want to bring it back to Tuchel, but Tuchel's just, he's able to reach to these players. He's able to reach these players that, you know, Emery couldn't. He's making them do things that they probably wouldn't under someone like Emery. And, and like you said, Marquinhos is, he's not the best central mid defender, but, you know, he's, he's, you know, giving a go at it, uh, under the circumstances. And, and there's, they're just, uh, they're just, uh, going with, uh, whatever Tuchel says. And you, you, you hope that that lasts. You hope that there's, you know, you hope that there's a, a sort of a staying power for this. Obviously, if PSG start to struggle in Champions League, those questions are obviously going to be brought up again. But 
for now, I think they have a comfortability with Tuchel. I think Tuchel is really, given the younger players a sort of confidence to go out there and play aggressively and not sort of be sheepish in the moments. And that's what a good coach can do. A good coach can get the best out of guys who aren't quite yet ready to do it consistently, but they'll do it more consistently with a better coach than they will with the new Emery. And the problem last year with Unai Emery was that he was coaching for his job every single week. Or at least he felt he was coaching for his job every single week. So it was always the best 11. It was always sort of late substitutions. There wasn't sort of any room to develop certain guys. And the guys he tried to develop, like LaCelso, were playing out of position. And basically playing out of position based on necessity and absolute need. So the fact that PSG have a new coach in that can sort of take a year or two to develop what they want, sort of the way Jurgen Klopp did at Liverpool, that that is a really sort of foreign thing to the PSG team in the Qatar era. Like, they've not really allowed a coach to sort of go in and do the things that a coach would normally do. It's been more sort of, all right, here's your super team, go make it work, as opposed to we have a two, three-year plan to build this thing and to create a a culture and a a mood and a vibe and an identity. And that's what PSG have been doing in these first two months, and it hasn't been perfect all the time. There have been games where they've struggled, but I would say they're going in the right direction right now. Yeah, just like you mentioned, the culture uh, that they're starting to build is kind of new. Like like you said, usually they just buy a bunch of players, here's your super team, that's it. They're You're implementing a system that you know usually takes time, two or three years, for, for players to get... Um, and, and, you know, just to have it, uh, you know, just to have a back, a back track of it. And, and I think that's, that's what they're doing. And it's, and it's, it's refreshing for me that they're starting to have a culture and a system that, you know, that they exactly know what they want to do going forward. Tilo Kerr. I, I think this was a really interesting game for Tilo Kerr because he hasn't necessarily looked all that great in his time so far at the Parc des Princes. And I tweeted this out, and I genuinely believe this, and that is that I think Tilo Kerr will be a really valuable defensive player for PSG in the next two years. I think he's two years away, and I think PSG bought high on him, higher than most teams would have, but there is a lot of talent there. And you can tell, especially when he's on the ball, at this point, he's not comfortable. And there was one moment in particular, I think it was in the first half, where Kerr literally was on the ball for 15 seconds. It was a, it was a free kick in their own end. And you can see Neymar basically pointing for Kerr to switch the play. He wanted him to play a wide ball out to Diaby. And Kerr just didn't trust that he could do it. He waited for it, he waited for it, he waited for it, and then he eventually just passed it back to Thiago Silva. And there were at least three or four times where 
When in doubt, Tilo Kara just passed it to Tiago Silva. Here, let you take it. And he got isolated in some one-on-ones. There were a couple where he didn't look very good. And then there were a couple where he was strong in the defense, where he was able to get his body across, where he was able to stay balanced and not fall over himself. I, I find him to be, whenever I see him play for PSG, one of the more fascinating prospects to watch. Because he really is like an... He almost feels like an academy player. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to be a project. And like you said, they bought high on him, but like they saw, they saw that potential, obviously. And it's almost like when, like, uh, like when we saw in Kunku a couple years ago, when we saw, uh, President Okipembe a couple years ago, it's like they had flashes of brilliance and then, then they'll show their age and their, you know, how inexperienced they are. But today I thought, Today was his best, uh, Tilo Kerr's best game as a PSG player, where he, he was, in the one-on-ones, I thought he, he, he was very, very, very strong, and he wasn't relying on his footwork as much as he did in those first couple games. You could tell he was bodying the, the offensive players. He was putting his shoulder into them and being more physical, and that's kind of what we saw on those comp highlights when we, when we, when we signed him. It was like, whoa, this guy's very aggressive, and we weren't seeing that. And, um, so I thought today he was very strong, and he has so much upside because he's versatile. He can play at, any of the back the back positions and again he's very young and there's time for him to grow in this team where you have a guy like Chaco Silva who's getting older and he's going to be getting game time and again it goes back to Tuchel just how he's rotating these guys everyone is getting minutes I love how he continues to play personnel Kipembe no matter where he puts him he has to be on on in, in, on the pitch so uh, that goes back to again Tuchel kind of just bringing all these all these young guys into this team and creating a depth within the squad instead of going out to the transfer market and getting it. Uh, is Adrian Rabio playing too much? I, I I think he was good in this game, but is he? I I can't. I think he's maybe missed one game so far, maybe. And I, I remember this last year where he played a lot early, and then once PSG got eliminated, he just sort of shut down physically. I'm a little yeah. concerned that... I mean, he didn't play in the World Cup, so I guess he got to get his game time. <laughs> well, well, there I you go. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 here's my concern with that, which is, if Adrian Rabio isn't going to sign the contract extension, I think... Thomas Tuchel's made it very clear that he's going to use Adrian Rabio like a plow horse. Meaning, until he signs that extension, get the most out of him that you humanly can get. Try to win the Champions League with him as your player and see where you go from there. Obviously, the goal is not to rest Adrian Rabio and make sure that he's, you know, going to be healthy for years to come. And that's sort of the drawback with him not signing his extension, which is he's not getting protected. Like, uh-huh. you can tell, Adjun, uh, Marco Verratti, they're concerned about him playing back-to-back games right now. So, you know, when a player comes, if you looked at the NBA and you look at a player like Joel Embiid, who for a long time the Sixers wouldn't let him play back-to-back games because they didn't want that wear and tear on his body to sort of lead to more injuries. Marco Verratti played against Reim, and then they sat him for the first 70 minutes against um, 
against Nice, and they brought him in as sort of a fitness thing to kind of get him 20 minutes on the field. But do you, do you guys think that this workload, especially the position Adrian Rabio is playing, is going to catch up with him? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, you saw it last year. Um, once, like you said, once um, PSG was eliminated, he just, I don't know if he broke down. You know, just he, he looked tired. He looked worn down. And and I don't know what they're planning to do with him. Are they going to sell him at the wind, at the winter transfer window? Or are they just going to play it out until the end of the season and see what happens? And they're just going to, like you said, use him, use him as much as humanly possible and get the most out of him before he either leaves on a free. Uh, but other than that, it's, uh, yeah, they're, I think that's what they're planning to do. Just, you know, run him out there. Yeah, I, I think his, um, he, I, I, initially I thought he had the leverage. I still think he kind of does have leverage in terms of he's not going to sign the contract, but PSG don't want to lose him for anything. So he has the upper hand there. From what you, what you just said, Mark, that's the only way PSG have the upper hand is to continue to play him. And you're not going to get any rest. You're going to go out there and play no matter how you feel or whatever form you're in because you're still under contract with the team and you're a part of this team. So you're going to play. And, you know, they don't PSG don't really have time to be going back and forth with this kid. And I don't understand how they even got into this position, quite honestly. But they don't you know, we don't have the the luxury to 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 wait and see what Adrian Rabio is going to do and and you know so in terms of the leverage it's you know that kind of evens and out evens it out uh in terms of them continue to play him it's kind of um the opposite of what's happening in the NFL with Le'Veon Bell, where he's saying, no, nah, I'm not going to play until y'all pay me. And it's the opposite where PSG said, we're going to continue to play you until you tell us what you want to do. So I think it's a, it's a fascinating storyline, but I think, uh, he, young, Rabio's young. He can, he can play all these minutes, but obviously in, in, in the professional, uh, football, it's going to take a toll on him at some point. It will. It, it absolutely. You, it, football is a weird sport in that way where you want to sometimes play a lot to kind of get yeah. yourself into fitness. It's not sort of like um, basketball where in, in the NBA you want to you, you want to rest. You, you want to yeah. give guys rest because it's just it's more physically tolling on your knees just because you're playing on a hard surface as opposed to playing on, you know, on grass. Yeah. But I'm just I'm concerned that in January or February we're going to start seeing Adrian Rabio break down physically. Just I, I, that would be my concern if we're going to keep on playing him with the workload that we're, we're, you know, we're giving him right now. But sort of on to the next week or so, just you know, to, to give us a little preview look ahead. Wednesday, PSG are playing at the Parc des Princes against Red Star Belgrade. Theoretically, this is the easiest uh, group stage game that they are going to play. They have to win. This is, this is not a, there is, there is absolutely zero margin for error here. PSG have to beat this team and they have to beat them convincingly. They gotta beat them by three or four goals and they have to put the game away by halftime. Is anyone else getting a sneaking suspicion that none of those things are going to happen and that this is gonna be a slog <laughs> of a game? Uh, uh, I, I don't think so. I think it's 
they're right now they're they're starting to click, especially now with Neymar playing in that number ten role. They're starting to gel. We're starting to see, but uh, and and it's at home, so I don't I don't maybe if they were on the road at Red Star, I would I would give the benefit of the doubt, but I think they'll they'll probably win four one. They they've been able to beat these um, you know teams that they're supposed to beat at home, so I, I don't have that you know that conscious that they'll that something bad will go wrong. I would agree, but I would like to bring you back to two years ago when PSG had just tied Arsenal on uh, in the Parc des Princes, I believe, Group Day 5, and all they had to do to win that group was beat Luda Goretz at home. That's all they had to do, but they had to do it. They end up drawing, they finish second in the group, and wouldn't you know who won the pony, they get Barcelona in the round of 16, and we all know how that ended. PSG usually beat these teams they're supposed to beat in the Champions League, but when you absolutely have to beat that team, that's where my concern comes in, because now this is a pressure game. If they win, they're going to be right back where they need to be, and they're going to play Napoli the next time at home, and they'll be in a decent position to sort of secure things a little bit from where they maybe weren't so secure. Maybe they can secure them a bit, but man, oh man, if this if this game drags and PSG are in the 80th minute or the 85th minute and they still haven't scored and they still haven't broken them down, and God forbid something happens on the other end, somebody falls down and Red Star puts a ball in the back of the net. Man, oh man, that's a catastrophe. And usually I'm not the negative one, but this is one of those games where I think PSG has to smash them early. I don't think there's any any excuse to start out slow. And John, if they don't, they're gonna they're gonna have to drag this out, and they shouldn't have to drag this out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's. I think what you just pointed out is worst case scenario, right? Like yeah. at the, the 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 worst it can get. But I, you know, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and think that's not gonna be the case. But again, this goes back to the whole Champions League mentality, where if anybody if anybody can blow it, PSG is gonna blow it, right? And and I think that's the 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 psyche or the mental kind of. Uh, the demons that this team continues to battle with. But I think uh, this season in the Champions League, just the season overall is, again, going back to Tuchel experimenting with this team and him having time to, 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 to put his imprint onto this team. We just ran up against the, the Champions League runner-up in our first game of the Champions League, and we almost got out of there with a point. So... You know, there's there's work to be done, but our first opponent being Liverpool kind of put us on the big stage way earlier than we expected. And it was just a wrong game, and, you know, wrong game for us to to try to, you know, to, to kind of put ourselves on the map uh, kind of, uh, to come alive in the Champions League. But I don't I don't just watching how we've beat these teams in the league. I don't I don't think they'll have a problem with beating Red Star at home, especially. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I agree. I just, I think it's important to sort of play that sort of uh, devil's advocate a bit, you know, yeah. just, just so we yeah. can, just so we. You have to, you, you have, have to, have to yeah. yeah, you do, because yeah. it's, it's always a possibility. 
Yeah. And I, I he, let me ask this now. I think PSG will come out in their um, four two three one. I think that's what they're comfortable with in a game like this. I don't think you need to play three at the back. I I, I just I don't see that being a necessity. I, I assume Silva plays. I assume Kimpembe plays. Marquinhos. Either way, you're going to leave one. I think you're probably going to leave one of those guys out. I don't see them going three four three. I mean, they could, but I don't see a reason for them to. But let's say it's a four-two-three-one. You have Cavani up top at the striker, Neymar inside at ten, Mbappe on the right wing, Rabio and Verratti as the midfielders, as the midfield two, and then your back line probably Munier and. Um, I would say probably Insoki or Bernat. I would probably play Insoki in this game. Who plays that left wing? Now, let's say it's a 3-4-3. Same thing uh, applies. Who plays that left wing? Is it Di Maria? Is it Draxler? Or is it Diaby? Who plays in this game? Of, of, of those three players, who's playing in this game? Because one of them is going to start. Uh, I'd go with just just on merit. I'd go with Draxler just because when he came on against Liverpool, the, the just it, it was more in panel. Maybe it's just it was a short you know it's a short sample size, but the offense looked way better than with Di Maria and, and Neymar. They, were, they they always seemed like they were in each other's way, or or there was just no sync. There was no sync with those two. So just by I, I'd go with Draxler uh, on this one. John? Yeah. Yeah, me personally, like, just my decision, like, if, if this game, if I'm trying to kill these guys off early, I'm putting in Diaby just because I know he's going to provide that whip. But I think what Tuku will probably do, I agree with Eddie, is play Draxler. And honestly, I feel like we've seen enough of Di Maria to kind of, like, know what we're going to get out of him in terms of, yes, we want him on the team because he's experienced. He can score goals that nobody else can score. But... I feel like he can be run to the ground too. I feel like he's playing a lot of minutes and and from the sample size we've gotten out of Draxler, I feel like he deserves those minutes now that Di Maria's getting. So if you know, if, if we're following Tuchel's trajectory and how he's been playing, it's either gonna be Di Maria or Draxler, but I think it would be Draxler for me to, to play in this game just to to bring a little bit more dynamic a uh, more dynamic team out there and just someone to, to, to run forward and, and, and apply pressure. But me personally, I would have started Diaby just because I know he's going to be electrifying again. For me, it depends on formation. If it's 4-2-3-1, I'm playing Draxler on the left wing, and I'm playing Neymar inside, Mbappe on the right, Cavani up top. If it's 3-4-3, I'm playing Diaby because I think you need a guy in that, if you're playing a 3-4-3, if you're playing with three center backs, if you're playing with that sort of 3-4-3 formation, that guy on the left wing has to be able to track back and play defense. Yep. And Draxler... Hey, he did that not, today, yeah. Diaby. Draxler does not play defense in that way. Draxler can sometimes track back and kind of make interception kind of plays, but he's not sort of a grinded-out defender. Angel Di Maria, we yeah. know, can't really defend. He can pretend to defend, but he can't. <laughs> Musa's the only guy I can... And maybe in Soki, but I, I would even say 
against Red Star, you want to play more aggressively. So yeah. I would put Diaby there. And I would, at least at the beginning of the game, to try right. to give yourself an opportunity to just go at these guys and give yourself that width and then allow him to be able to get back and defend on counters. Let's Kimpembe get out wide a little bit, stop their wide play. It, again, it depends on formation, but that would be how I would go with it. Um, we all think PSG is going to win, obviously. Um, let's go to the... Uh, uh, well, actually, before I go, everyone thinks PSG is going to win, right? Verbal confirmation? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, good. All right, moving on to the bigger game, if there, if it could be called a bigger game. I think it is the bigger game. Um, Sunday evening, PSG will host Olympic Lyonnais, who just about two weeks ago beat Manchester City in Manchester, and ever since have looked like the second best team in Ligue 1. And it may not be an exaggeration to say that the league hinges on Sunday night. If Lyon can beat Paris Saint-Germain on the road, Lyon can say that they are possibly on par with PSG and a legitimate challenger this season. If PSG win, though, without the services of Adrian Rabio, who will be suspended for this game, based on the, uh, based on yellow card accumulation, then it's pretty much a wrap. PSG's going to win the league. And I think we have our first sort of major league on game. I mean, Marseille and Lyon was okay, but this is the real, this is the real main event fight. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm with, I'm with everything this game is going to bring, uh, in terms of just the quality and the form that both teams are in right now. Uh, I'm really impressed with Leon. And I remember one of the podcasts we did earlier, we were talking about who would we prefer to see in the Champions League between Marseille and Leon. And we all kind of said Marseille. And, uh, you know, and I'm kind of glad that it's Leon that's in the Champions League this year, kind of wreaking havoc. But in terms of the match, again, it's going to come down to the midfield because that's how they beat us last year or how they, I think they drew us last year. They drew us at home. We beat them at home 2-0 on two own goals. Oh. And then oh, yeah, they yeah, beat yeah. that and then they beat us. At their place on the Memphis Depay. Um, on the Memphis, right. Remember, Labor John, Kazawa. we were on... We, were, we, yeah, were, we, we did the live podcast. We did the live you. podcast for that. Laban Kazawa. That's the Laban Kazawa game. That was the, the game that I was officially done with him. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, again, that game, that was dominated by the midfield. It was... That's when we kind of started noticing... Uh, just uh every every how strong how strong their midfield were with Ndombele and Fekir so uh i think that's what's going to come down to this game it's going to be the midfield and if 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 Memphis and Fekir and those guys can get forward and put pressure on our defenders then they might have a chance but uh i think it's going to come down to the midfield uh in, in this game again it, it, i i think this is a really tough match it's always been a tough matchup but this is a real ask for PSG yeah. without Mark, without Adrian Rabio, yeah. to go in there and to keep Leon's midfield off of their attacking players. That's kind of the problem here, which is 
you have a tough time seeing Mbappe and Neymar getting a lot of space in this game. And it might be one of those things where Tuchel decides, kind of like he did against Liverpool, to back off a little bit and to give Leon some of the ball. Because I just, I don't see the benefit of running at this front line with Ndombele and Hussam Alwar and all the guys they have, and then they hit you on the counter with, uh, with Mendy and with Depay and with now, um, Musa Dembele. It just, there's too many things that can go wrong if PSG get caught out of position in this game. Like, this is a real game. Like, people want to call League on a Farmer's League, whatever the hell they want to call it. Lyon and PSG is a top-level, you know, European football match. It's This is as good as it's going to get in the league. And Eddie, I think I think it's I think it's important to keep in mind though that I think PSG are still the better defensive team, still the better back line. I think Silva and Kimpembe or Silva Marquinhos, they may even play three at the back in this game. I actually would play three at the back yeah. just to get all of them on the field. But I think PSG do have their advantages, obviously. Yeah, obviously they have their. Back, I would I would like to see more back at the you know three at the back, and it you know they look nice uh, against Nice. Obviously, it's a different opponent than Lyon, but um three at the back, you know, just to experiment against a high level opponent and see how how it goes. I mean, Tuchel's all ex- all about experimenting, even when you know regardless of where they're facing. So I would like to see three at the back, and and just have all three of you know Kimpembe, Marquinhos, and and um, Silva. Uh, out there against Lyon to see how, how they match up against, you know, their attack. And whether it be Ariola or Buffon, uh, you know, hopefully I would go with just Ariola. I think he's on a roll right now, uh, in League One competition. So it give him the start. And I believe, you know, that it's going to be tough. It's, it's, it's not going to be easy. Uh, you know, Lyon are on a roll. They've defeated Marseille. They defeated Manchester City. So they're feeling themselves and, and they're not going to, you know, they're not going to back down from, you know, just because it's an away match against uh, PSG. Yeah, and I, I feel like Lyon are a team that will up its that ups its game against the better teams, and then you'll see them play against Amiens, and they'll draw one. Yeah, one. like that's, and I think that you can say what you want about PSG over the last four or five years. I think one of their better qualities has always been the ability to just win these mundane every you know everyday league games like that's what separates great european football powers from okay ones like leon leon will have magical moments where they'll beat teams that are better than them they'll play up to their competition and then they'll go into a league game and they'll just kind of take it for granted and then they'll lose and it'll take all the progress they've made and it'll flush it down the toilet. Which is why I, I bring that up to say they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna show up for this game. They ain't gonna they're not gonna sit back. They're gonna attack, they're gonna be aggressive, they're gonna be physical. And the question is if PSG can handle that physicality. Because over the years, when teams have gotten physical with PSG, sometimes PSG get a little gun shot. 
And I'm hoping in this case that PSG will be able to play a stronger uh, way. Now, without Adjun Rabio, who plays in that spot? Who plays yeah, alongside Marco Verratti in the midfield, too? I think it's going to be, obviously, it's going to be Marquinhos. That's that's what I think they're going to do. He's going to play four in the back and put Marquinhos. Yeah, three in the back and put Marquinhos um, with um, well, the only with, thing with in that Rabio case, there. Yeah, the only thing in that case is that you'd have to play Kerr as your, as your third center back. I wouldn't mind that at all. It's it, be it's, it's going to be you know a little testing for him as an individual player, but you know if he has the support, I think he'll be fine. And you know, it, and, and that, that's just the danger with the, with Leon because it's it's not just that they're physical in the midfield. That's how they they beat us last year. It's this team is better than that team from last year. They now add a Moussa Dembele who just had a brace last week or in the midweek, and Bertrand Traore is having a phenomenal season. So and it's it's not just Memphis alone up there anymore so again that's so that's the risk that you're taking if if, if you play care in the back with having Marquinhos as that midfielder because I don't think he's going to start uh, in Kunku or anybody else next to Verratti that's not going to be a, a physical midfield at, at all yeah. so, so and, yeah. that, and that's the rub really isn't it that you're probably going to yeah. have to play Marquinhos in the midfield yeah. and then your decision is back four back three yeah, no, I, 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 I like John's point. I, I mean, it's you're throwing in a 21, he's 21 year old kid into the into the fire, and ha- and having him, you know, help defend one of you know the best attacks in in France, and and you know he's, he's either going to be up for it or he's going to be gun shy, and you know he's aggressive. You know, that's that's one of the things I like about him, but you know sometimes that can be a a detriment, but. I think I, you know, just to patch that midfield, I think I would agree with John. You're going to have to have Marquinhos up there with Verratti. And, and trust Kerr isn't too, you know, it's not a big moment for him. Uh, who wins and why? Or is it a tie? Yeah, I think I I see this going to a draw 2-2. I just, you know, this, this isn't... I just that midfield is really making me question whether they can win or not. And there's Leon's gonna have their moments and they're gonna create their chances and I think they're gonna get at least two and and it's I think this is a draw for me on on my part. I think uh, I think we're gonna win it actually and I just I'm just gonna go off of uh the quality of if we're looking at they have Fakir, right? Yeah, Bertrand Chara is having a good season and Moussa Dembele is you know, he's he's a good he's a good striker. But they're not Neymar, Cavani, and Mbappe, and and you know this is different from from the Liverpool match where you know it's it's those that's a different quality. Rob, Rob, Roberto Firmino is a different type of dude, right? So I think from that aspect, their midfield is gonna is gonna grind, and they might give them the the, the upper hand in terms of possession, and they'll probably get a goal out of it. I think we're gonna win like three one. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking draw. I think that Leon are just, it's going to be hard for PSG to shut him out. And, um, I, I would say, I would say 1-1. I think sometimes when you have these high-powered teams, the game is a little more defensive than you would normally, you know, want to think. 
Like, even though Liverpool PSG was 3-2, I thought that was a fairly defensive game. I didn't think that... I didn't think that necessarily... um, But by the way, I don't know if you just saw that that goal by Daniel Sturridge, but Jesus Christ. Yes, I'm watching it now. Yeah, go... Eddie, (laughs) if you're not watching that, go turn that on now. That was... That is some shot. Wow. Just so everyone knows... He just came on, too. That's the whole thing. All right, go back. Yeah. (laughs) Alright, um, I would say that that game between PSG and Liverpool was more defensive with moments of offense. You know, the Sturridge header and then the penalty. It, it was a deceptively defensive game, so I think this will be more defensive. But I think each team is too good to, to not score. So 1-1 sounds about right to me. Uh, last question on that game. Who starts in goal? Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with I'm I I I, I don't really care who who plays I, I like both of them but I would like to see uh, Gigi play in in a big match in league and kind of his first big you know big test in in, in league games so I would like to see Gigi play for that game. Eddie, uh, I I'm gonna go with Ariola. I think uh you know he's he's uh he's carrying I think he's had like the last couple of starts. I think, you know, he's probably gonna get the start here. I mean I don't mind Buffon. I mean I I, I like both, but if you're asking me to pick one, I, I'd go with uh Ariola. I would say Buffon is gonna start because Ariola's gonna start the Champions League game midweek and I feel like Tuchel is getting into this sort of you get two and then he gets two, you get two, he gets two, and it's sort of it's sort of keeping, I think, everyone... Like, Buffon's pretty easy to please, but I still think he's keeping everybody sort of... You know, he's not letting this become sort of an issue. Like, each guy's getting enough playing time where you're not sort of saying, oh, one's clearly above the other. So if Tuchel's strategy as of now is going to hold, I will say probably Buffon starts. And I actually kind of want to see Buffon in a big game like this. Yeah, I really do. It's yeah. intriguing to me. I think you know. I think you, you know, know he's gonna be fired up. Yeah. and be into yeah. it. <laughs> I think that could be fun. Um, so Eddie, John, anything to plug before we ride off into the sunset here? Nothing to plug right now. Uh, just you know, if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, God for short. But yeah, we're definitely. I'm definitely going to be working on some articles here uh, soon. But yeah, nothing to plug at the moment. But you know, just go on the site. We have some, 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 a lot of content up right now. The Neymar Iconoclast, uh, the Jordan Brand piece, and uh, the the PSG Talking crew just did a, a, a very fun episode. I enjoyed it. So there's there's some stuff up there for everybody to enjoy. Eddie, what are you working on? Uh, uh yeah, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm you know, I guess real life is getting in the way right now, but I'm trying to finish up this, it's more like a long piece on just the the evolution of League One from what it was, especially now that, you know, like a lot of money's been put in into the into the league, more 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 sponsorship, more new owners, you know, earlier this week we read, you know, Saint-Étienne is up, you know, gonna get, you know, they're in the verge of being sold, hope to, uh, you know, another Arab country or whatever you want to call that, but yeah, I'm trying. 
I mean, I'm trying to work on it piece by piece. You know, it's at the you know, it's at the beginning process. I'm midway through it, but it's uh, something that I really, really, you know, want to work on. And hopefully, I can get it done by the end of this month. All right, and um, I usually don't plug my Twitter, but since we have some, uh, you have some new listeners from down under. I am at Mark Damon One. You can follow PSG Talk at, at PSG Talk. Um, subscribe to the Facebook and Instagram pages as well, all PSG Talk. And uh, I think that's all for today. So this has been uh, PSG Talk contributor Mark Damon for John Alonghi and Eduardo Razo saying au revoir for now.